0: Heavenly Father, we bow here in your presence. Father, we are just overwhelmed with gratitude just to be able to be here, to worship together, to fellowship together, to study your word and allow the spirit of God to touch our hearts. And that is our prayer today, that we would leave here, Father, different than we were when we came in, that we might be drawn closer to you and our hearts be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't you all be seated. I want you to read the title of the sermon there in your bulletin. It says that we are sicker than we thought, or we were sicker than we thought. I'm looking back at the time before you became a Christian, just how sick you really were. Um, This is dealing with the topic of depravity, just how sick an unbeliever is. Um, Some people struggle with this topic. They struggle to understand it. And the reason being that all of us feel that there was something in us worth saving. There's something in us that would uh, move God to, to reach down and save us. And um, we need to understand that according to the scriptures, that's not the case. And as it turns out, the passage that we're talking about today is dealing with that topic. And so today we're going to be seeing just how sick we really were before we came to Christ. But then we're also going to be looking at what God did to correct it. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a different uh, message today in the sense I'm going, to, I'm going to throw some things out there you're going to have to chew on, okay? And you're going to have to think about and You may leave here in disagreeing with me, and that's okay. It won't be the first time. But uh, it's something that I think that you need to hear, and I'm going to tell you at the end of the message why you need to know it. So I'm going to give you four reasons why you need to know this. I want to read the text to you. It's a familiar text. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the first 10 verses. Paul said, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh In following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, our handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works and which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, there's the passage. There's a lot of stuff in here. I'm not going to be able to delve into everything in depth, but I do want to touch on some things as we go through this. Two things that I want to show you right off the bat, okay? One is this. You were spiritually dead at one time. Before you came to Christ, you were spiritually dead. Now, the problem is we don't understand what that means. We don't understand the significance of it. Look at verse 1 again with me. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now the question is, what does dead mean? Because that's an important, we've got to deal with this. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? Now you know he's not talking about physically dead because you're still living. But what does it mean to be spiritually dead? Well, it's not saying that you're necessarily as bad as you could be. Because some of you weren't. Before you came to Christ, you were moral people. You obeyed the law. You were decent folk. It's not saying that you are bad or as depraved as you could be, but you are as bad off as you could possibly be. You're about as far away from God as you could possibly possibly be. Now, dead means this. It means very simply, and this is the reason he chose the word, it means that there's absolutely no life in you at all. Now, again, we're talking about spiritual life. He's saying that before you came to Christ and before the Spirit of God moved in, there was no spiritual life in you. Now, see, this is hard for us to understand. This is we, we take exception to this. For me to stand up here and tell you that before you came to Christ, you were incapable of responding to God. You say, well, I don't believe that. Because when I came to Christ, pastor, you've got to understand, I came to Christ, man, I heard the gospel and I responded and I was just lucky enough, I was smart enough, I was wise enough, I knew enough and I believed. Well, according to the scriptures, that's not how it happened. Because the scriptures tell you that you were dead, lifeless, and that it means that you were incapable of responding because dead people cannot respond. See, we've got to come to grips with this. God's evaluation of you before Christ is that you did not have the ability to respond to him. He said, well, no, wait a minute. There are all kinds of unbelievers who are religious. Granted, man will always look for a substitute. And there are all kinds of cults and religions and idol worshipers and everything else all over the world. That does not mean that you are spiritually alive. The Bible tells us, and we looked at this last week in the book of John, it says, the light came into the world... And men love darkness more than they love the light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to to observe it. And so you and I have got to believe this and come to grips with this or we're we're going to struggle with understanding just some important things about who God is and what he's done. Let's go on to look at how Paul describes this deadness, okay, in verse 2. He says, well, let me back it up to verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Now, there's the first thing that I want you to see. Here's one of the characteristics of the people that are dead spiritually. They follow the ways of the world. What are those? Well, all you got to do is turn on the TV and you, you get that, or, or look online or, or Facebook or the newspaper or whatever. All of the things that people are doing and laughing about it and claiming that it's okay and pushing, you, you go to Washington, you're going to see what this is all about because people are pushing abortion and everything else as if it's nothing, and this is the way of the world. And he's saying, this is who you were. Um, prior to you coming to Christ, prior to you coming to life, you've got to understand that this is the kind of person that you were. You were no different. You followed the ways of the world. And he goes on to say this. He says, and you followed, in context here, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Um, what is he talking about? Well, he's saying you were following after the spirit and satanic forces, and you may not have understood it. You may not have even thought about it, but that's nonetheless that is true. That's what happened. He goes on to say, as he reads on, it goes on, he says in verse uh, 3, he says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh. Anything you wanted to do, you did without feeling any consequence or responsibility. Um, You know, you look at the unbelieving world today and you find people living in immorality and it's rampant and it's okay, it's accepted because people that don't know Christ gratify the cravings of their flesh. Now, I'll just throw this in a little bit here. We're not going to talk about it today, but sometimes we as believers today still want to live that way. We'll talk about that another time, but I'm talking about what characterizes an unbeliever prior to coming to Christ, a person that is spiritually dead. And then he goes on, he says, You're following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were, by nature, deserving of wrath. So this is how God saw in in his estimation of what humanity was like before you came to him that you were dead, you were incapable of moving toward him, you followed after the rest of the world, you followed the ways of Satan, and you were indeed worthy of his wrath. Now, that's deadness. That's spiritual deadness. Now, the second point that I want to show you, and that is this. That God made you spiritually alive. That God breathed life into you spiritually. Watch. Watch in verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. All right, now. Probably two of the most important verses in all the Bible, if we understand them. In the Old King James, where it says that he, we were made alive in Christ, is, the word is quickened. He uses, they use the word that he quickened you. He brought you to life. He made you come to life, so to speak. Now, notice that it says even when you were dead in your transgressions. He says, you've got to understand this. He says that God moved on you. God quickened you. God brought you to life even when you were dead. All right. If you're sitting in a seminary and you're covering this passage of Scripture, the professor would probably throw out a question about this time. A question to make you think, The question to get discussion going, The question to cause you someone um, to be a little bit uncomfortable. So allow me to do that, okay? Here's the question. Is faith the cause of your salvation or is faith the result of your salvation? Now, give it some thought. Don't go to sleep. Think. Is faith what caused you to be saved or is faith the expression of something that already took place? Now, here's the reason they would ask you this question is because of this verse. Let me, let me illustrate what I mean, okay? Let's say that everything to the right of this podium, my right, is the unbelieving world. Everything to the left of this podium is the believing world. The podium represents the line of, of distinction here. This is the point of conversion. This is the point when a person comes to Christ and is saved. So we want to know this. This is the condition over here of this group of people that are lost, they are dead. This is the condition of the people to the left that are saved that God says they've been made alive. It's an act of God whereby he moves and makes them come to life. Because over here in the dead area, they're incapable because they're spiritually dead. Now see you're going to balk at this because in your mind you're still thinking, no, well, 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 wait a minute. I don't think dead means that. I think dead might mean something else, but dead doesn't mean they couldn't respond because if they couldn't respond to the gospel, then how, they, how were they saved? This is what Paul's trying to get you to see, that they couldn't be. They wouldn't be. Because left to their own devices without God's intervention, they would never, ever be able to turn to him. And guys, this is the hardest thing for some of us to accept, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, why you have difficulty with this. But here's the question. If this person, and this is what Paul says, God made you alive even when you were dead. It doesn't say God made you alive when you believed and I'll put you over here, God says, "God made." Bible says, "God made you alive when you were dead." Okay, now here. See, here's our struggle with understanding this. Is this teaching that God, upon you hearing the gospel, God moved in and quickened you and made you alive, and you then immediately responded in faith and was saved? Well, if He made you alive, isn't that salvation? What is the definition of salvation? You know, God, he has moved you from the, from the group of people of darkness into the light. From death into life. So is Paul telling you here and trying to get you to understand that you really didn't have anything to do with this because when you were dead as a doornail, God moved on you, brought you to life, and immediately the response was faith. It all happened instantaneously, and it was all of God. Because, you see, we struggle. We struggle with this because we still want to hold on to this little idea that we have in our mind. Maybe we've been taught it, that somehow God saw a glimmer in us there was something there. God had to see that you were different than somebody else, and that's the reason he brought you to life, because he couldn't have done it just for no reason. And I had to have a little bit to do with it. At least I I had the smarts already, the spiritual insight to trust him and to believe in him. But maybe you didn't. And maybe what the Bible is teaching you is that somehow in this process of salvation that if God didn't move on you and enable you you would have never ever come to him because you were not able and that when he did enable you that instantaneously and it's all tied together that he opens me to to the truth and I receive it because he has brought me to life already and I am immediately believing and all of this salvation that we talk about really had absolutely nothing to do with me it was all of God All right, praise the Lord, but we still struggle with this. And see, this is where we've got to come to grips with this. Because if this is in reality what it's saying, and I tend to believe that it is, why do we preach that people are saved by faith? Because they are. Over 150 times in the Bible, in the New Testament alone, it tells us that we're saved by faith, by believing. What we don't understand is that it was God who made you alive that allowed you to believe. And this is the hard part. But we understand this. We understand that, okay, instantaneously, I hear the gospel, and we think to ourselves we were just smart enough to grab a hold to it, but we really weren't. We grabbed a hold to it because God was already working and bringing us to life, and it all happened. I wish I could explain it. Nobody can. But I'll tell you this, it'll change the way you look at God when you finally do. And you need to understand this, that when it says here that even when you were dead in transgressions, he had made you alive, and then this little caveat at the end, this is the reason he puts it here. He says, don't you understand this? It is by grace you are saved. It was by grace that you are saved. And not only that, but he he just just jumped down to these last couple of verses here, verses 8 and 9. These are two of the greatest salvation verses in all the Bible. We use them all the time. But in context, look at what he's saying. He goes on to clarify. He says, For it was, it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by work so that nobody can boast. Paul says, Don't you understand? it all came to you because of the grace of God. There was a time in your life where you heard the gospel, God moved in your in your spirit and you believed. Whether you were saved before that or saved after that is really kind of irrelevant in the big scheme of things because it all happened instantaneously. We preach salvation by faith because that's what we're calling people to. We're calling people to believe. But without the Spirit of God quickening them, without the Spirit of God bringing them to life, turning the light bulb on, if you will, they're not going to. And so whether the chicken or the egg came first kind of, is irrelevant except for this. It causes me to step back and to realize that it, like Paul says, was all of God. All of God. This is why he says that it was not of yourselves in no way, shape, or form. It was a gift that God gave you. Now, guys, if, if God saved me because he saw something worthy in me, then it's not a gift. If God saved me because I promised him beforehand I'd, I'd serve him forever, it's not a gift. If God saved me because I repented of everything I ever did in all of my life and cleaned the slate, then it's not a gift. If if God saved me because I got baptized, it's not a gift. It's only a gift when I stand here before God and God makes me alive through His grace and I move into the body of believers. See, this is what He's trying to get us to see. Now, again... We're going to struggle with this, okay? And that's okay. Let me just tell you up front, it's okay to say, I don't know about this. All I'm asking you to do is to allow yourself to be challenged in the way you think and to let God begin to demonstrate just how big he is. You know, we sang this song at the end here, How Great Is Our God? And we sing that song and we mumble it along because some of us don't really believe it. Some of us don't understand it. just how great our God is because we don't understand what grace is. We give it lip service, we talk about it, but to let it sink down into the depths of your soul to where you understand what God is talking about, very few of us do. Here's the third question. Why did God do it? Why did God, when I was dead in trespasses and sins, make me alive, why did he do that? Well, let me tell you two reasons why. First of all, for show and tell. Do you remember show and tell when you were kids? You take something to school, you show it off, you tell all about it, you know. You're proud as a peacock, whatever it is that you brought. Well, God says, I did this because I wanted to show and tell. Now watch in verses 6 and 7. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that, now here's the reason he did all this, for the purpose of, or in order that, that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now here's what I think Paul's talking about. I think Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's saying to them, now he's talking about himself and them. They're the only ones there at that time. We weren't even a thought at that time. But he's saying, look, here's why that, that God did this for you and me. So that in the centuries down the road, the ages to come, that he can use us and our testimony and our example as proof of his grace and mercy and to call others to believe as well. Now it could be that he's talking about in eons of time way down the road and he's going to do a new creation or something. I don't know. But I tend to think that it's more practical than that. I tend to think that what he's saying is that you who have been saved, who have been brought to life, are God's object lesson. And that you and I go into the future and back to the places we work and our families and what have you. And we are God's object lessons. We are like trophies of His grace. And He holds us up and He says, "Here, look at this. Look at this drug addict that I may come to life. There's, look at that alcoholic over there. I breathe life into that person. And look at him now." Look at this person who was in jail for decades of his life because of murders and what have you, and he is free, and now look at him because I breathed life into him too. Look at him. Now do you understand what grace is, he says. This is an example of it. Every one of us is a walking example of what grace is. So why did he do it? Because he wants us to be an example to the world of what he's done. Now here's the second reason that he did it. That is to enable us to serve him. That because he made us alive, he has now enabled us to serve him. Now, watch, because we never use this verse down in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't think this is talking about creation, okay? I think this is talking about your salvation. Let me word it this way. For we are God's handiwork when he brought us to life and he created us in Christ Jesus. Born again in Christ Jesus. He said he did this in order that we might now do good works. In other words, serve him. Now watch. What has been God's plan from the beginning when he saved our souls? When when before the world was ever created and God thought this all through, what was his plan? Well, ultimately, okay, it begins with salvation and forgiveness and redemption. But the plan was this. Over here. That's always been the plan. That I would have people that would serve me faithfully and walk with me and do good works and be an example of my grace to the rest of the world. That's, what I want but it began with the redemption it began with the salvation and him making you new again but it has always been that to enable you to do this because unless he enabled you to you could not serve him you could not but now he has enabled you to do it so now here's another question why is it important for you to know this that's the, that's a big one why is it important because some people, you know, over the years I've heard people say, and, and I've got to tell you folks, in, in ministries that I've been in before this, there are certain things that are unacceptable in churches that people balk at, that if you try to teach it, you just, just like sandpaper on their spiritual nerves, they can't take it. This topic is one of them, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, you need to understand why it's important that you know this. You see, we can't just shove it under the rug because God says, no, I want you to know this. I want you to know what I did. I want you to know my part in this. I want you to know you had nothing to do with it. I want you to know what I did when I made you come to life. And it's all of grace, and I want you to know that. And here's the reasons why, okay? Number one, assurance. 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 Over the years, I hear people say to me, if so-and-so does such-and-such, will they lose their salvation? You just shake your head and think, well, you don't understand, do you? If God brought you to life and you had nothing to do with it, are you going to tell me that over here, if you do something that is sinful, that God's going to take it back now? How foolish. But as long as you think you have something to do with this, then you will always doubt it. You will always doubt your salvation as long as you think you contributed to it. So it's important that you understand you had nothing to do with it so that you have the assurance of where you stand with God. Now here's an important one. There's another reason why it's important for you to know this, and that is to humble you. To humble you. Back up in verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And now in verse 9, watch what he says, It is not by works so that no one can boast. God doesn't want anybody to be able to stand up and say in any format whatsoever, Look what I did. Man, wasn't I smart? I was so good and righteous that God had to save me. I was I, I was so smart and I studied it and I learned it and I knew it better than anybody else and it made perfect sense to me and I believed it. That's the reason God saved me. God doesn't want any way, shape, or form for you to be able to boast about what has taken place. And so God said, no, I'm going to humble you. And I'm going to humble you this way. I'm going to tell you, That even though you chose me, even though you put your faith in me, and even though you think you're the most blessed person in the world for having done that, I want you to understand that over here, even while you were dead, I made you alive. I brought you to life. Why? God, I love you. I chose to love you in spite of your rotten self. And I brought you to life. You had nothing to do with this. And the guys listen to me, because this is why in churches that I have been in, people don't want to hear this because it shatters their pride. They think, and you would be amazed at the number of people that think this. They think that somehow, way, they have something to do with this whole process. And they puff themselves up and they walk around with such pride of there are so close to God and God loves them so much, maybe not you, but He loves me so much, they say, you know. Because you got to understand what I've done and the person that I am, and why wouldn't God love me? Look at me, you know. And it's very subtle, but oh my Lord, it's very destructive. And I've seen churches split over this because people don't want to hear it. They don't want to understand it. And they don't want to give God credit for it. All we do is give him lip service. You cannot appreciate grace till you understand just how dead you were. People who feel with pride that they had something to do with this do not understand just how dead they were. And until you do, you're not going to understand the grace of God. And he keeps telling you through this passage, it's by grace. It's by grace. You have nothing to do with it. And we just read right over it as if it doesn't matter. Here's the third reason why it's important that you know this. Because he gives you the faith to grow. He gives you the faith to grow. Now here's what I mean by that. If God can take me, and you you think back to who you were before Christ, and you think back to the way you used to be, and you think, okay, if God can take me And he can bring me to spiritual life. Then what couldn't he do? And so here I am now as a believer over here struggling in my Christian life. Because I am afraid to try new things. I'm afraid to try new ministries. I'm afraid to get involved. I'm afraid to reach out and tell anybody about him. Because of fear of failure. To understand how dead I was and he brought me to life? Why do I doubt that he can take me here and mold me into something that I can't even begin to imagine? Just think what God could do with you if you just trust him. If you just believe that, you know what, you could minister over here and you could do this and you could help that person and you could teach that class and you could do all these things, but you don't because you're scared to death because you know why? All you see is you and your weaknesses. And you don't believe that God can change that. But if you did, oh, what if everybody in the church believed that? What if everybody in the church had a new vision? Hey, you know what? If God can do this over here, then God could do anything now. And I'll step out in faith and I'll get off my lazy butt and I'll do something. Let's don't put that in the tape, Mickey, okay? Let's get that... <laughs> But anyway, let's move on. But to, to to give you the faith to grow. Now listen to this last one, okay, very carefully. Why is it important for you to know this? Fourthly is this. To give you hope for loved ones that are lost. Now guys, think this through with me, okay? Because this is one of the reasons why people, when you talk about what God did in salvation and that without Him you wouldn't be saved, They balk at this because they're thinking to themselves, what about my loved ones? Well, what about you? You know? He did it for you. Without that, they have no hope. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have a loved one that is so ungodly and so far from God that you've given up on them? How many of you have somebody like that in your life? You've given up on them. Okay, understand that. People can become so sinful and so ungodly in the way they live that they're so far from God, you think to yourself, you know what, for that person to come to Christ, my goodness, they'd have to show some interest in it, they'd have to maybe come to church and hear the teaching of the Word, and it's going to take time because they're not going to believe it to start with. But maybe over time they'll come and they'll believe and they'll understand, and then finally they'll come to put their faith in Christ, but it is going to take years, and they're never going to do it. Well, let me tell you something. It can happen instantaneously because God makes them alive. It doesn't matter how far away from God they are. And see, this is the beauty of this whole thing. That God says, I did this in your life. Why do you not believe that I can do it in theirs? And so sometimes we, we pray for them, but we don't really believe it. We pray for them, and we think, okay, well, Lord, please somehow just help them to to come to the understanding, or Lord, somehow put them under the teaching of the Word, or somehow do this and and all that. And and all of that is true, and and those are good things to be praying. But you know how you ought to pray? Listen to me. If you understand what I've taught you today, and it makes sense to you, and you believe that this is true, that God makes you alive when you're dead then here's how you ought to pray. God, bring them to life. Bring them to life. I can't reach them. There's nothing I can do. Only you can do it, so God, you do it. We are told over and over and over again in Scripture to be praying for lost people. Paul kept challenging the church, pray for the lost. Pray as I go into this place that I will see much fruit from the ministry. Pray for them. Well, why? If it's all left up to them. If I'm gonna pray for them to be saved, then what exactly am I praying for? Well this targets you this puts it right on the bullseye. I am praying and I'm asking God, okay Lord. This person that I love so dearly my mom, my dad, my child, my spouse They do not know you. But God, I know that your Holy Spirit can, in an instant, bring them to life. So God, please do that. Please do that. Folks, that's how we need to be praying. That God would make them alive, like he did you and me. It is by grace and nothing else. And when you and I understand that and the weight of that and the full force of what that means, then, yeah, you stand there and you sing how great is my God. It takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? A whole new meaning. If you're here this morning and you need to trust Christ, you don't want to quite understand all of this, let me just take you back to one verse. And for you, this is all you need to know, okay? Because don't worry about what God is doing or doesn't do because God is sovereign and God is going to do what he wants to do in your life. But listen to this verse. It's in chapter 2, verse 8, right here, the same chapter, verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. You may be in here this morning, and you may be a sinful person, and you know it. You you know it. You look at yourself, and you're ashamed. You don't even want to come to church for fear somebody might know who you are. I understand that. But you need to understand you're in here with a lot of people just like yourself who at one time felt the same way. But one day, we hear the gospel, we hear this message, and we dare to believe that it might be true, And then all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and it makes sense to us and for no reason whatsoever we just believe it and we can't understand it. How many testimonies have you ever heard like that? that, You know, I just heard this and I never had thought about it before and all of a sudden it was like a light bulb came on. Yeah, that's the Spirit of God bringing you to life. You say, well, how do I know, Pastor, if He's going to do that for me? Do you believe it? Yeah, then He already has. Do you understand that? He already has. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. If you're here this morning and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then right here before us, right here before God, I believe that probably you already have. But just tell God that. Just acknowledge it. Lord, I I believe what you have said here in the Scripture. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. And I only believe it because you have enabled me to. And I thank you for that. I thank you for loving me that much. And now, as a believer, serve Him. Not to gain His love because He already loves you. But serve Him because you've come to realize how great He is. Father, as we bow here before you today, Lord, I pray for each one of us that our comprehension of your grace would just multiply enormously. And Father, may we get a, a glimpse as we come to understand the teaching of these verses, that a glimpse of who you are. Father, we stand in awe that you would choose and to love us when we are unlovable. But Lord, you did. This was your plan, and you would not let us slip off into eternity without you. Father, we thank you, and we all sing together how great is our God, in Jesus' name, amen.